Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm George. And I'm Amanda. George and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 32 for George and season 28 for me. This is day one of season 100. Yay, we're back. The big round number. Yeah. Apologies for not opening the uh, private rundles earlier so more people could get in them. Yeah. That is on me. (laughs) Uh, We were... Uh, at least I was asked by a couple of people and did it and then didn't post anything about it and forgot to tell Amanda, uh, forgot to remind her about it until it was way too close. Well, I'd even been thinking about it a little bit and I kept forgetting as well. You know, life happens and, uh, Sorry about that. I think we have a very petite rundle on my side of the the equation. A little bit on mine, too. Mm. Oh, well. Uh, Welcome everyone else as well. Yes. So our first question asks us about companies that have a business model uh, invented by the New York Times in 1990. It has to do with speed from design to rack. Right. And these are all clothing retailers that are mentioned. Zara... H&M, Shein, ASOS, if that's how it's pronounced in Forever 21. Um, And H&M in particular is, to me at least, the store that most prominently uh, makes use of this, which is essentially what it doesn't include in this definition is that they tend to base all of their designs and clothes on famous makers' designs and clothes um, in order to sort of replicate their success uh, in a less expensive and uh, in this very timely way. Um, sort of a more compressed version of that Devil Wears Prada monologue. Yeah, I guess. About how, you know, what's on the fashion uh, runways now in like two years is going to be at Target. Ah, sure. I, I haven't seen but now movies, it's more like, so I don't know. Oh, now it's more like <laughs> months, if not weeks. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, 15 days is referenced in the question about Zara or Zara. Again, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, don't, I only see these in print usually. Um, but in any case, the term that I figured applied best to this is fast fashion. Um, and that's, you know, that's the main idea of it is just that it's um, the trends that you might see in this season of fashion are sort of, uh, like I said, putting it kindly replicated <laughs> by these stores. Um, and they, they sort of, uh, deploy their own version of it very quickly uh, and very inexpensively. And, you know, the, the dark side of that is the the waste that can happen in that process, the idea that they're cheaply made and don't last very well, and so they cause people to buy more and more and kind of um, add to the um, carbon footprint and just general landfill um, of the whole process. So um, either way, I, you know... Uh, that's a very down note to end my answer on, but uh, I was pretty darn sure that this was fast fashion. I was pretty sure about that as well, um, but that is just enough outside my like normal wheelhouse. Mm. I read the question very carefully several times to see whether either of those words was actually in the question. Ah, true. And in fact, they it w- neither was, so I proceeded with fast fashion. And that was the correct answer. Question two asks uh, what Ottoman Empire ruler was nicknamed the Magnificent and the Lawgiver and who kind of ruled the Ottoman Empire at its zenith. Uh, So I tried to think of someone the Magnificent, and Mm -hmm. fortunately that immediately morphed into Suleiman the Magnificent. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
So I figured, okay, I'm either thinking that because it sounds like someone or that <laughs> just kind of fit that particular uh, hole in my knowledge because I didn't know it straight up. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I kind of had to think, like, I feel like Suleiman was much earlier, mm. or at least there was one who was earlier. Uh, and eventually I managed to winnow that out to, no, I'm thinking of Saladin. Oh, right. So I can go back to Suleiman the Magnificent. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, I don't know whether he's a playable character in Civilization, but <laughs> probably the name has come up. So mm -hmm. maybe that's what kind of locked it into the back part of my brain. But I will tentatively say Suleiman. Yeah, I had the same kind of Pavlovian response to The Magnificent, um, because I must have heard Suleiman the Magnificent as a phrase somewhere. And if I had to trace it back to a specific uh, piece of knowledge, it is probably from spectating you and various others of our friends playing Here I Stand mm. uh, over the internet, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lo these many years ago, mm. um, a, a very complicated and uh, uh, intricate game indeed. Um, but it probably was a starting point for me to learn about people like Martin Luther and you know, this, this whole idea of the Reformation and the different uh, uh, players can play different um, powers, I mm -hmm. guess, yep. in, in this period of time and in the world. Um, and so sometimes it works out, you know, that the Ottoman Empire conquers all of Europe and sometimes it works out that they, you know, kind of goes kaput or um, like it, there, there are varying results mm -hmm. that are either in accord with actual history or not. Yep. Um, but anyway, knowing that this, um, like, I think that's probably where I know of this period of history. And then I may have connected Suleiman to it at a later point, but it, it, that was the basis of my knowledge of this area, which is, mind you, still very thin. <laughs> um, but I do at least have Suleiman the Magnificent, uh, you know, on a little recorded snippet of uh, mm -hmm. something in my brain. So I put down Suleiman as well. And that is the correct answer. And that is true. Uh, yeah, Here I Stand was early 16th century. Mm -hmm. And Suleiman was one of the uh, the people in it. Right. Well done. Wow. Thanks. I didn't even remember that that had been a thing and I was in the game. <laughs> yeah, I was to say, you played the game. I thought <laughs> you would mention it, but uh, instead I get to. Question three asks us about an Arab mathematician named Muhammad ibn Musa al-Khwarizmi and asks us what common word in mathematics is derived from the Latin version of his name. Yeah, so this one is really just a very sound association kind of question for me. Um, it didn't take me long to kind of, you know, if you um, have a, a name like this, you know, knowing that, that something that starts with Al in mathematics is likely to be from Arabic. Mm -hmm. Algebra um, is one of them, but algebraic is in the question, so it's certainly not that. And the qua sound is not going to be present or mm -hmm. transmuted in some way into ja. Um, and so, although I bet that's likely to be a common wrong answer. Mm -hmm. um, but just kind of knowing that essentially how things get transliterated is you kind of slur the sounds together and make them into sounds that appear in your own language. Um, just hearing you say it out loud quickly 
for example, <laughs> kind of gives me the sense that it sounds like algorithm. Um, and it has, you know, algorithm has some of those uh, uh, notes in it, the ZM versus the M, mm -hmm. um, the G versus K and the R in the middle. Like it, it kind of, you know, if you say it as fast as possible and and kind of muddy the sounds of it, and me gets gets you algorithm, uh, sort of, kind of, um, but enough that that sounded right to me, and I realized that I had been assuming that algorithm was something Latinate, just because I know that a word mm -hmm. like algo means something yeah. in Spanish, literally, yeah, it means yeah. the word something, um, and so I just I just kind of reoriented my sense of that because I thought this is the only mathematical term that maps so closely mm -hmm. to that surname. Um, and so I, you know, I think that interestingly logarithm is not that, mm -hmm. um, but is it based on algorithm? In fact, I don't think so. I think they're kind of, is it cognate the, the, the term of okay. words that are words that are related that come mm -hmm. from the same, uh, kind of bases. Mm -hmm. And, and I believe Al Khwarizmi's name was sort of forced into the Latin, like existing words. Okay, okay. Um, but I, I, I don't know, and I can't look it up right at the moment. But, All right. But it was something like that. Yes, go look it up yourselves. It sounds interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but any in any case, um, to put it uh, uh, to put a cap on it, algorithm is what I put down. It just sounded the right the rightest. Yep, uh, I just kind of uh, slurred the name in my brain uh, and you know I, I was doing this while I was in the bathroom this morning you were still in the bedroom and I was trying oh, yeah. to do it like kind of out loud but as <laughs> quietly as I possibly could I didn't hear you at all I'll tell you that oh yeah okay and I remember reading this you know uh, in some flavor of historical treaties about how uh, how much Arabic has contributed to modern mathematics uh, or classical mathematics. And so that, that was one of those where I, I kind of tried to get close to the word. And then as soon as I was close to it, I locked in and I thought, yes, I know that algorithm comes from an Arabic name, uh, a name specifically, as opposed to just a, you know, an Arabic word for it. Sure. And, you know, this, sounds like something that sure that this could be this could be it so i will go with algorithm and that was the correct answer question four asks us to name a programming language that is named after a birthstone uh of a colleague of its inventor uh so i i know a few programming languages um but i figured i didn't i don't know who made them or when they came out. Mm. So I had to come come at it from the other direction and think of birthstones. And as it turns out, I can only think of four birthstones. <laughs> uh, five if Topaz is one of them, and I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was fairly certain that Topaz wasn't it. Uh, so I had to go with Emerald, mine, and yours. Yes. Uh, aquamarine, which I believe is March, uh, because sure. it's my father's birthstone, ah. I believe. Opal, which is October, that is my mother's birthstone. And for some reason, I know that Pearl is a birthstone. And I thought, Pearl, that's a programming language, I'm pretty sure. 
True. So, yeah, I think it's spelled different, but, you know, maybe they uh, maybe they retronymed it uh, later to, to mean something, but originally it was just Pearl because, you know, that's a nice-sounding word, and that's the colleague's birthstone. So, yeah, we'll go with Pearl. So this one, um, for whatever reason, and it may have been the date that's listed there, um, I immediately leapt over to uh, Ruby. And I think kind of why I did that is I vaguely recall when I was in grad school and we were doing um, tailoring of health education messages based on people's demographics or their survey answers or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Um, And I want to say that Ruby was coming into use for that kind of thing. Um, uh, Like right around that time. Um, And so uh, that is just kind of where I stopped thinking about it. Because (laughs) if I had thought of Pearl, I I think I would have had some logic um, as far as the spelling of it suggesting to me that it might be related more to knitting or something like that than to Hmm. the actual pearl stone. Right. Um, And uh, so uh, I just kind of thought, you know, Ruby, that sounds right. I know it's a birthstone. um, And I just really didn't think about it further from there. I, I think I would have ruled it out. Um, if I had thought of it, but I can't say for sure. I just went with my first answer. Um, I will say I'm looking up birthstone months now because I wanted to verify that possibly the reason that you know Pearl is a birthstone is that it's our daughter's birthstone. Okay, it's June. It's June, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and so, yeah, yeah that may have come to mind more. Birthstones, so. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, this is the kind of thing that I, of course, pick up, sure. um, you know, because... Uh, gems and minerals and jewelry mm, yeah. uh, fascinate me and have for my whole life. Um, so I know that January, we have a lot of January birthdays. That's Garnet. Okay. Um, uh, I want to say August is Peridot. Uh, that um, sounds, yes. Yes, it is. Because that's, that's, that's our, our other daughters. daughters. And yes. <laughs> now that you mention daughters. it, yes. Um, I, I have gotten her Peridot jewelry in the past. Yeah. Um, and there's, yeah, it, that was just a Diamond thing that. April. I feel I like diamond so. is a round emerald. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's I do remember that because my brother's birthday is April, and, okay. and that is diamond. Okay. Um, and remember, sort of jokingly competing with him. He's a listener of the podcast, by the way, despite <laughs> not playing Learned League. So hi, John. Um, that his is the the most you know famously sought after right. of the birthstones. But emerald is actually more expensive right. by weight. So, right. you know, um, that's that's something we would joke about occasionally. Um, but, yeah, I, I just went. I thought of Ruby. I went with Ruby. Wow. Kind, of, kind of the end. Well done. Because that was correct. Yay. Um, so I, w- I will say in the two different slacks I'm in where we discuss Learned League, um, in both cases, after I said, oh, yeah, I put Pearl uh in, in each case, someone different said, oh, no, Pearl's much older than that. Like, Mm-mm. I'm sorry, I don't okay. know when programming <laughs> languages came about, clearly just by the fact that I could only think of one that has a name roughly like a gemstone. <laughs> um, and I, I did look that one up, and in fact, it was 
named after the gemstone. It pearls. was. Oh. Um, uh, not specifically after a birthstone. Sure. Of it. Uh, and it was later, uh, and the, the spelling was changed uh, because there was another programming language named Perl ah. uh, that I didn't bother clicking through on Wikipedia to see whether that one was named after anything. So. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. So, that one. Question five asks us, what 1986 movie features a red 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California Spider? So this is the Gen X pandering question of yep. the day for yep, sure. Yep, yep. Um, this is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yep. It's Cameron's dad's car mm -hmm. that they take on a joyride mm -hmm. and that that uh, gets destroyed at the end mm -hmm. and so on. Um, I tried to think if there you know, could be some other 1986 movie that I'm thinking of. Like, mm -hmm. what did Eddie Murphy drive in Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. That was 1984, first mm -hmm. of all. But second of all, it wasn't prominent in the plot right. of the film. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of tossed that around a little bit because I thought, you know, Ferris Bueller was the obvious, you know, extremely obvious answer. And I didn't want to just <laughs> For jump people on... who were teenagers when that movie came out, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but like literally we were 13 and that is pretty much the prime time to... To watch a movie like that and be amazed by it, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, because you're, because Ferris Bueller, of course, is a high school student, yeah. uh, closer to eighteen, and that's very aspirational when right. you're when you're uh, just on the cusp of getting to that stage of your life. So, um, yeah, I I try to think is there some other movie because retro cars were kind of a big thing in the eighties. Mm -hmm. um, anything to do with the fifties and sixties had kind of a a renaissance um in various ways like elvis and marilyn monroe and just generally that kind of stuff um filtered into a lot of pop culture and and so on but really i thought with with it being so prominent in the plot that that's specified in the question the 1986 time frame sounded just right um and so i really couldn't think of anything that that should turn me away mm -hmm. from putting down Ferris Bueller's day off. Yep. Yeah. Same. Uh, I was, as soon as I saw this, I was like 86 mid eighties. Okay. Red sports car. Oh yeah. And I could, I could see it. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, the scene where the, the valets are driving it cresting over the hill. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm pretty sure in yeah, 1986, that sounds about right. I remember it was, it was a movie that was, uh, remembered a lot while I was in high school, if not coming out during that point. Yep. Uh, right around the right age for Matthew Broderick. Uh, was it specifically a Ferrari Spider? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Not a car guy. <laughs> uh, I, w I, I have in my mind a thought that Ferraris are kind of boxier than I remember that car being. Mm. But I might be thinking of Lamborghinis. Not necessarily boxier, but more angular. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I couldn't talk myself out of it being Ferris Bueller. And if it was something else, then it was going to be one of these, oh, for crying out loud kind yeah. of questions. Like, oh no, it was this movie that went straight to VHS in 1986 <laughs> and barely even that. And it was shown on Cinemax three times during the 80s. And for some reason, Thorsten remembers it. But no, right. no, I figured it, it had to be that one. So I said Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, and that was the correct answer. And if anything... The fact of it being a Ferrari was almost the thing that gave me the qualm, like, because it felt like the the make and model of the car wasn't really what mattered. You knew it was an expensive sports car. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it, it being so specific as a Ferrari, 
like I feel like kind of like you said, I like I know a little bit more about what a Ferrari should look like, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But it's from 1961 when all, yeah. all the the looks and styles were very different than they were Reasonable. by the time the 80s rolled around. Um, and so, yeah, this is just kind of teaching me a little fact about Ferris Bueller mm-hmm. um, and that movie. So, uh, so, yeah, that was right. And our final question of the day gives us a series of words that appear in the titles of a particular novelist's works. They all seem to have to do with the law. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It says they're perennial bestsellers. My, my first thought is, well, you talk legal novels, you're talking John Grisham. Mm-hmm. Then I thought, there's 14 words given here. Mm-hmm. Has John Grisham written that many? But you know, 14 isn't that many for a professional novelist. Mm-hmm. One who started like 30 years ago. Like the firm came oh, out least. in the early 90s, if not the actual ago, 80s. Yeah. Um, and you know, he'd written a couple before that. And of course, he's, you know, cr- he cranked them out and was just, they were huge for that entire decade. And yeah. many of them got made into movies. So I thought, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, he, he might have done that many. And, you know, there's. There's ones I can think of that are not mentioned here. Like there's no pelican. There's no reference to the pelican brief. There's no reference sure. to a time to kill, uh, etc. But but I I, I looked at a, a lot of these words and thought, okay, are these definitely in there? The client, I remember that one. The rainmaker, I'm pretty sure that was one of his. The chamber, yeah. Mm. Uh, brethren, uh, associate, broker, litigators, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but there was just enough there that yeah, this was another like if it's not Grisham. There, there, ha- there would have had to have been something in the question to wave us off of that because it's very mm-hmm. obviously Grisham, and I know there have been some other legal thriller guys, mostly guys. <laughs> Scott Turow, as I recall, mm-hmm. does a lot of those, uh, or did, or you know, and and I think there's a few others I'm just not remembering, but all very Grisham-like and very kind of in his wake uh, of oh yeah, this is a thing that people will buy in airports at least. Right. Um, so yeah, I'll just I, I can't talk myself out of it being uh, a bunch of Grisham novel mm-hmm. keywords. I'll say that. Yeah, I had a very similar thought process, uh, including thinking of Scott Turow as a possible alternate answer. Uh, I went so far as to try to think of like like who is the Hannibal Lecter author? Oh no, that's Thomas Harris, um, and just tried to like. Think of other like mega selling airport book legal thriller you know type authors, but I don't read that type of book really, uh, even in airports, and so uh, the I had to kind of fall back on just a couple of these words in particular. The rainmaker, I was like, I'm I'm like ninety percent sure that's a Grisham novel, um, and there was one other one maybe the client or something like that. I mean, that sounds very generic and everything, but the Rainmaker, that really kind mm-hmm. of sold me on Grisham as the probable yeah. correct answer for this one. Um, and I do think it, it did leave out some of his most prominent um, uh, novels that we would recognize from them being turned into movies in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I kind of hung my hat on that one particular word and the fact that this little word cloud is basically all legal thriller kind of language, um, if it's going to be in the title of a book. So I put down Grisham. And that was correct. 
Indeed. Which means... I beard it on day one. Nice. Always a good start to a season. I got I five. Like That's a good start, uh, too. And I don't, I don't know whether anyone thinks programming languages might be in my wheelhouse or <laughs> birthstones. I feel like if I, if I didn't know me, I would definitely... Uh, well, even if I knew me based on this podcast, I think I would at least two that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... But on, on the other hand, it's it's two separate enough things mm-hmm. that, like, someone could know either of them. Okay. And that that's a thing I use in my defense a lot is if it's more than one realm, mm-hmm. I'm going to... I'm going to downgrade it. Maybe not maybe not a whole point, yeah. but I'm I'm definitely going to think okay, you know, this could be something that this person knows because they are a computer person or because uh-huh. they are a jewelry person. Right. Or so those are much harder to predict and much harder to defend against. True. So I would uh were I were I defending against me, I would probably Probably two that one, maybe even three it, just based on the 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 idea that there that it could could have come from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there was nothing else that I thought in my in my wheelhouse at least. Again, defending against me, I didn't think there was anything that was particularly out of my domains. Yeah. So this would have been a tough day to defend. Yeah, I would say and it was fairly tough for me to assigned to my opponents as well yeah it's it is because like if someone's literature score is kind of middling mm-hmm. they probably heard of john grisham yeah you know like yeah. they they probably have you know made note of like i, I probably took into account the person's film score a little bit mm-hmm. because they might be able to see like oh yeah i think these are ones that i haven't seen as grisham films right. or whatever like um and just kind of be able to, to you know, play it off there. Or, like, the algorithm question is very much a language question, mm-hmm. almost more than mathematics. Like, you kind of, anybody who is on the internet knows about the algorithm. So yeah. it's, you know, as long as you can, can conceive of that as a math term, which mm-hmm. it kind of is a little drifting from that i feel like it's a word yeah yeah yeah. it's kind of a a process term that's not confined to mathematics but Mm -hmm. um it's you know if like i that's mostly how i came at at it was that language kind of Mm -hmm. knowing how things migrate from one culture or language to another um then uh that's really kind of what sealed it for me uh and similarly like is someone with a high business econ um, score going to be keyed in on fast fashion? I mean, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't score it real high for my uh, opponent there. But, you know, but if they're a, forgive me for stereotyping, male person <laughs> um, who might not be paying that much attention to what stores are. Yeah, might take a half know, point off of this. Selling there. Um so yeah, it, it was a tricky one to defend, and the questions were generally pretty gettable, I would say. Um, you know, I think I defended the world history one pretty hard, because that was pretty um, straight-up world history, but mm-hmm, there certainly mm-hmm. were the games into that that maybe I should have considered, because um, that's where On the know, other both of hand, us might have gotten it from. I will, I will point out that 
for things like that, those like civilization related stuff, I do occasionally think that. Mm-hmm. But then I figure anybody who's getting stuff like like I do from those games, <laughs> they're going to have a better world history score for it generally. True. So there, you I think mean, so. that's that's not a a niche thing that comes that. I swear I give that reason twice a season. At least. That like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that I remember because it's a one of the wonders in civilization. <laughs> like, yep. That's how I know yep. the Uffizi. That's, yep. So, I, so I, I think that one, I, I think pl- playing all that civilization has added enough to my world history score that you can, you can kind of tell what I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. from civilization based on that yeah and you can and you can see it in my world history score so it's not like you know i'm not 250 in that except for those things true those obscure things that are in <laughs> you know that are in one of the biggest video game franchises ever that covers major things in world history like, yeah that's true it's so yeah yeah they better zero ferris bueller for both of us though one would hope one would hope or not. I'm, <laughs> or I'd be don't happy, see if I care. I'd be happy to I beat it. it, so... Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter for you, but... Yeah. And go ahead and give you the points. Why not? Sure. <laughs> well, that's about it for today. Tune in tomorrow for more post-game analysis. Uh, follow us at Learned Lag on Blue Sky. And remember... Don't forfeit. Don't cheat. <laughs>